What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas. This is episode 159, and this is a special AEW Full Gear pay-per-view review. And this is part of the Wrestling with Jonas two-year anniversary celebration week-long of podcasts. So uh, I've got three excellent guests joining me today to review quite a good show, a very, very good show uh, from AEW last night. Uh, I've got uh, Chalky T or Chris Thornton from uh, The Brood, The Turnbuckle Arms. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, really well, John. You? Very, very well. Very, very well indeed. Uh, Grizz, another member of the brood from the Turnbuckle Arms. How are you doing, Grizz? Undefeated. <laughs> yes, still top of the Wrestling with John's Brain Buster Super Charts. Uh, yes, it's been a while since we've actually any, had anybody on that. But I know Mags uh, took a turn on that. I can't remember your score, Mags, but uh, Grizz is still top of the leaderboard if we ever revisit that. And uh, Mags, uh, so uh, Mags, three pods. Uh, how are you doing? It's been a long time. I don't think we've spoken since TakeOver Portland. So uh, that was back it in feels- February. How are you doing, Mags? It's a wang slapper, by the way. I'll just uh- let you know. <laughs> Yes, that, that's correct. No. We all got given nicknames by uh, Grizz before we pressed record, but uh, uh, we, 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 I, well, I, I, I won't be going there. Grizz, it's up to you. You, you tend to take over anyway, to be fair, uh, but we will see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> but we're here to have fun it was talking a little bit off air it was a very very good show uh lots of high points lots of quality wrestling lots of good storyline development um lots of kind of positive uh points from from my end anyway um not too many niggles but we'll talk about that as we go um but uh yeah brilliant to have you all back on and chris is my kind of resident aew expert uh, the last time we spoke was um all out a couple of months ago so uh Thank you all for coming back on board and quite a special week for me as well. The two year anniversary of the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. Yeah, congratulations on that. Thank absolutely. you. Yeah. Glad yeah, to be back for your two year anniversary. Like, absolutely. That's right. That. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, last time we spoke to you, Grizz, was uh, I think we spoke about WrestleMania, didn't we? I think, uh, did we cover WrestleMania Day 2 with Matt Bayless? Uh, yes. that was that was interesting uh, talking about the uh, the Firefly Funhouse match ah. um, that's a that's a wouldn't match that you won't easily way. forget wouldn't <laughs> had any other way <laughs> but uh, here we go let's uh, kick things off and uh, I, I don't know if you guys caught the buy-in uh, but they did have a buy-in match um, on the pre-show and it was uh, for the NWA Women's Championship Serena Deeb versus Alison Kay. Now, this was quite a good match. Um, Serena Deeb uh, retained over Alison Kay. One thing I found quite interesting was that, um, by all accounts, Alison Kay uh, got let out of her NWA contract only a few days ago, announcing mm-hmm. that she was a free agent. And then all of a sudden, she's kind of um, hit up by uh, Tony Khan to be in the match on the pre-show, the, the buy-in for the NWA Women's Championship. So uh, it's kind of came full circle very quickly for her. But I suppose you can't pass up an opportunity. Uh, but after this match, we saw the returning Thunder Rosa, former NWA Women's Champion, of course, who Serena Deeb uh, beat a few weeks back. Um, and it looks like we're going to be seeing a lot more of Thunder Rosa. She had a bit of a stare down, a bit of a face off to Serena. Uh, but uh, any thoughts on what went down here? Because, uh, you know, quite interesting and great to see Thunder Rosa back. Uh, like I say, the more the merrier from Thunder Rosa, as far as I'm concerned. And hopefully we can see her in the title picture, not just with the NWA Women's Championship, but maybe with the main title itself. But uh, uh, hand it over to yourself first, Chris. Did you catch this match? And uh, what did you think of the developments that went down? I did. Thank you. Yeah. Um, which made the show a whopping length by the end of it. Um, but yeah, it, it was a, a quite good um, 
kind of kick off or buy in, as they call it, I should say. Um, yeah. Really nice bit of business by Tony Khan. Um, just to give a bit of context, it was Orange Cassidy and John Silver of the Dark Order that was originally supposed to be the buy-in show. Um, and due to a little bit of fan popularity, not the first time they've done that, uh, and yeah, because of the developing NWA women's scene, you know, TK has done some good work there and it shifted it around to the last minute. But it was a welcome match to see. Um, it was a good match, to be fair. I'm a big fan of Serena, always have been. Um, and, um, yeah, great to see Thunder Rosa in there as well. My only critique, and I think this is something other people have picked up online, is that AEW appears to be focusing more on the A, sorry, the NWA Women's Championship side than their own championship picture. So that's something we'll get to later on. But as far as matches go, it was it was really good. The packages they also built up, shout out to them, they were fantastic uh, leading up to that. Some of the best. But yeah, in terms of the actual match, you know, really good quality stuff. Great champion there. And yeah, more exciting, I think, is um, Thunder Rosa coming back. So yeah, for me, great way to get people involved. And considering it was all very last minute, pretty good match i'd say yeah all in all a good start to to the buy-in anyway or good start to kind of the overall package from last night but uh, I, I do want to touch on uh kind of the nwa women's uh title versus the awa uh, the aew women's uh, division a little bit later on when we talk about that match uh so uh, kind of uh make a note on that one chris and we'll talk more about that later on because that is quite an interesting discussion certainly with regards to how one title is being presented over the other uh, you could say but let's 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 go straight into the main card then, guys. Um, and it opened with a really, really hot match, an incredible match. Um, and it's a match that we've been looking forward to for a while. Uh, the final of the world title eliminator. It brewed down to uh, Kenny Omega, uh, the cleaner, uh, versus the cowboy versus, uh, cowboy Adam Page. So, uh, um, yeah, we, we've obviously seen over the last month or so the reintroduction of uh, the cleaner gimmick from Kenny Omega. You had the women out there with the brooms uh, brushing away, and uh, uh, you had the, the fantastic pomp and circumstance. We even saw um, the uh, Impact executive Don Callis. Uh, on commentary so a little bit of a, an impact crossover here he said on commentary that it was invited by chris jericho um but uh, this feud has been brewing for a long time now now I'd, I'd certainly like your opinion on this because before we get to the match uh chris jericho uh, uh, sorry uh, adam page and kenny omega like say that they've gone through this relationship for better part of a year as a tag team. We've had the whole drinking angle we had that five-star match at a revolution at the beginning of the year with the young bucks and then uh, Adam Page gets kicked out of uh, the Elite. Uh, then they lose the titles to FTR. Then they find each other in this final. It's been uh, a great storyline. You could say that nobody does long-term storyline booking better than AEW. But starting with you, Mags, uh, before we talk about the match, give us your thoughts on uh, this kind of relationship and, and how it's broken down to the point where they fought each other last night. Yeah, it's uh, I I really do enjoy the storyline. I think it's one of the better storylines that AEW have have got going. I don't particularly like the the leaning on the alcoholism. I think that that's something that 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 kind of doesn't really hit home with me. But I, I do fair. like, yeah, I, I do like the fact that uh, we're seeing like this downward spiral of of Hangman, uh, really kind of having nobody to turn to, and then we're seeing this uh this very slow kind of heel turn of of Kenny Omega. It's a a real like dichotomy of storylines. I, I think it's a, a very very well well produced, and it's yeah, I've really been enjoying it. Mm, and Grace, yourself, your thoughts on this storyline, and uh, has has it kind of done the business for you? Well, uh, the the storyline I actually quite enjoy. Um, I mean, I think that 
with all due respect to, uh, to um, uh, your boy Darren over there, like I think that, that this whole like uh, drinking storyline with uh, Hagman has actually got he's gotten incredibly over because mm-hmm. I mean he's he's kind of working to the the, the everyman the everyman uh, myself included just um, like you know you know what everybody everybody well not everybody but like uh, a lot of people. Love a good brewski every now and again, but see when it's time to get down and dirty, it's time to get down and dirty, and that's when that's when uh, your boy Hangman gets serious. Indeed, indeed. Well, let's have a look at some of the highlights of this match. And so it went to the early, I uh, went to the outside early on. They fought around ringside. There's plenty of knife edge chops. We even see uh, Kenny Omega uh, hit a, a moonsault off of the guard railing. That could have ended horribly, but it looked pretty impressive and he uh, executed it very, very well. There was lots of uh, New Japan references on, on commentary, certainly with the relationship that Don Callis and JR, JR had when they were commentating for New Japan, of course. And of Don't course, with uh, Kenny Omega's uh, legendary run in New Japan. Go ahead. Minoru Suzuki got a shout out, which I was like, ah, Minoru, my fucking favorite. Yeah, yeah, that was brilliant. Uh, we even got an early V trigger from Omega on the rampway. This was followed up by two pop-up power bombs by Paige leading to a close near fall. Uh, the match uh, turned into a bit of a back and forth slugfest towards the end with sl- several close near falls from both men. But it was Kenny Omega who came out on top after executing a one winged angel. And he, he struggled to hook it on. Adam Page really didn't want to be hit with that, but he did. And it, it came down to Kenny Omega. One, two, three. He's the new number one contender for the world title for whoever might be holding the belt uh, by the end of this show. So uh, starting with you, Chris, then give us your thoughts on this one. It was a, it was a really hot way to open the show. Um, you know, a lot of people probably would have predicted this would have been later on in the card, but uh, as, as you know, as a show opener, it did the trick. Yeah, absolutely. I considering the kind of emotional build and the storyline, you would have expected it in the middle of the card as a kind of um, Shawn Michaels has done this a lot. He's filled in that kind of massive match where it's not for the belt, but it is a real like tearjerker by the end of it. You know, um, I guess what you had in place was Young Bucks FTR, you know, which also had a similar kind of storyline. But yeah, as openers go, fantastic. Yeah, you know, as you might know, Kenny Omega is my absolute favourite. Uh, maybe even all time now because he just continues to deliver um everything he does is so crisp and so effortless and they they reference that you know in the commentary you know the way he pops his hips when he kind of leaps over the ropes you know his dragon suplexes everything's so sharp with him but what who really impressed me was hangman you know he really stood and he, he hung no pun intended with kenny you know for the whole match and despite being what what is he 29 compares like Omega's 38, he, you know, he, he really looks the business, doesn't he, Hangman? I don't think he's that old. Oh, really, is he not? I thought he was like... I'll, uh, you know what, I'll, uh, I'll check while you continue talking. Thank you. Um, and yeah, so great match. Um, I think considering the emotional build I had, I would have liked to have seen a bit more from Hangman and to touch on the alcoholism, perhaps maybe lose control of his emotions a bit perhaps kind of get into a rage towards the finish if he couldn't finish him off. I felt like there's still a little more to be told from this. Um, and we'll get back to it later. But Omega's heel turn for me isn't quite fully formed. And it's something I want more than anything. But I'll touch on that when he appears again. Um, but yes, a really great match. Fantastic opening match. And then essentially that's what you need, isn't it, to hook people in. Um, so despite its placement, it was actually a really sharp match. And it flew by. And I don't think they stopped. You know, I don't remember a moment that much where they really took a breath. Um, and that reminds me a lot of Omega's classic matches where being the machine he is, he just delivers, you know, minute after minute. So, yeah, really good match. Of course, it was the right winner. Um, it had to be. 
you know, and at least they kind of acknowledged this on commentary that everyone knew that these two would meet. Uh, but yeah, absolutely great way to open the show properly. And, and Max, uh, what are your feelings on this match? Did it deliver for you? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm going to probably echo Chris a lot uh, with what he said. I think I've always had the kind of view that if you're not going on last, you want to go on first and and kind of be the the bar setters. And this match was the perfect way to to set the tone for the show. For me, this felt like Kenny's most New Japan style match since he's been in AEW. Um, The way he used the Tiger Drive 98 and the the Dragon Screw Leg Whip. The way they protected the uh, the uh, bookshot Larry uh, with uh, with uh, uh, Omega not getting hit with it, so he didn't have to kick out of it. I thought it was a well worked match. Uh, again, perfect winner. Um, I, I think we. I don't think this storyline is over because obviously things that happen later on in the show. Uh, I think we're still going to get this kind of downward spiral of Page, but yeah, it's um, it was a, a brilliant way to start the show and really got you hyped for for what were to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and Grease yourself, uh, anything in particular jump out from this match that uh, really got you hooked? I mean, it it was a fun match, but uh, I don't know. I kind of kind of feel like maybe it was just like kind of when it ended, there was like okay, that was it. Mm. Like I mean, there was there, there was a lot of build to it, and I, I know the the uh, kind of uh, fate for the the one when the angel was like kind of interesting, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, maybe just another like couple of minutes, maybe maybe of taking it over the top, but um, that's me personally. Like um, I mean, I, I love both of them, and arguably going into this match, I really wanted Hangman to win, but I know that's not the. Uh, the story going into this so on me yeah. so um but uh, obviously like i love the new uh kenny omega gimmick of the coming out with the the dancers with the uh, the brooms and stuff and it's like <laughs> okay i am i am totally all in and this new kenny omega yeah 100 100 percent. any thoughts on uh, don Callis being there and is it kind of signs of a possible working relationship with, with impact and uh, lots of new japan references we know they've already got a working relationship with uh, billy corgan and the nwa but uh, are aw trying to you know reach out to other organizations and uh, have uh, kind of more branches to their bow you could say <laughs> a, a strings to their bow any any thoughts on this one chris i don't I wouldn't say necessarily that was their aim because I think they've always been a lot more transparent than the competition. You know, it's around the show. Why a common theme was uh, referencing other talent. Um, a couple of matches certainly had some kind of well-recognisable finishes, let's say, and names were mentioned then. But yeah, TNA, NWA, you know, they've already been mentioned before. I think this is just um, AEW just being themselves. However, of course, I would love to see uh, any kind of work relationship between TNA and, yeah, further the NWA one. Don Callis, it was great to have him there. But yeah, I... I I think for now, that's just them being themselves, you know, and f- as a fan, you know, a serious fan, I, I really appreciate their transparency with that. And there's, there's no point getting around it. We know what other competition exists, you know, and so don't don't play dumb, you know. So, yeah, good for now, I think. And it's great to see Don Callis there, I must say. 
Yeah, 100%. Let's move on to the next match then. So we got uh, uh, number four, John Silver versus Orange Cassidy. So as, as Chris mentioned, this was originally booked for the buy-in. Uh, and because uh, of, of John Silver's popularity, rising popularity um, as uh, one of the characters, one of the standout characters of the Dark Order, um, not only did he get a match with Orange Cassidy, but it got bumped from the, or moved from the buy-in onto the main card, which is uh, kind of credit to him and credit to uh, kind of uh, Orange Cassidy as well. Um What's your thoughts very quickly on the rise of John Silver? Because is is, is he kind of, uh, you know, he is obviously the standout character of the Dark Order, but um, is he kind of kind of going to over, overshadow any members of the Dark Order? Uh, but uh, Grizz, starting with yourself, John Silver, are you a fan? And uh, is he getting over um, the right way for you? Of course I'm a fan. How can you not be a fan of the tiniest dude and the Dark Order being... Buff AF. I mean, Jesus Christ, the, the <laughs> yeah. arms on that guy. Uh, but also, like, I mean, I, I don't know if you watch uh, Being the Elite, which I, I kind of do from time to time. And, yeah, yeah that dude is hella entertaining. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't think I watched this week's, but last week they had that whole... Um, uh, Halloween party thing and uh, Jesus, oh the, the the dude is absolute money and I like I mean if he if he stays in dark order that's fine but if he branches on his own my God the mm. future that this uh, this guy has is unbelievable. Yeah, he's must-see TV right now. He really, really is. But uh, uh, let's get to the match anyway, because we saw Silver uh, tear out the pockets of Orange Cassidy's uh, trousers and uh, give him a little chew as well, just for good measure, before launching Cassidy across the ring with two huge beals. Uh, we saw a very impressive one-handed gorilla press as well from John Silver um, and then a Michinoku driver from Orange Cassidy for a close near fall. Uh, the, the, the exchanges between these two was uh, off the charts, to be honest with you. Some awesome moments between these two. We even got close to a fall from Silver after a spin doctor, uh, but it was Orange Cassidy who pulled out the, the orange punch and then the beach break combo for the pinfall. And uh, guys, uh, this match was so much fun and uh, the the loss uh, in this match by uh, John Silver won't hurt him one iota. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Orange Cassidy really needed this pay-per-view win. But uh, yeah, really fun match. Uh, Going to start with you, Mags. Uh, give us your thought on this one. Uh, I'd say uh, two and two, so two good matches to kick off the main show. Uh, main show. Johnny Hungy. <laughs> the it was it was a glorious match, especially after that the the kind of a uh, high pace that the first one set up. You needed like a bit of a come down, and this was perfect. Yeah. John Silver has been one of the stars of the the COVID era. Uh, his uh, his performances on being the elite are absolutely phenomenal, and he really brought it in this match. Uh, I love the the the. How angry we were getting when uh, when uh, Orange Cassidy was putting his hands in his pockets. Yeah, it was just just a, a fun match, and and I think this this pay per view needed a fun match because of all the kind of intense stories that that were to follow it. Yeah, but I loved it. I thought it was a great match, and and both of them come out of this looking way better than they did when they were going in. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And and Grizz, uh, your thoughts on this one? Good fun. Um, as it says, like uh, John Silver is um, he he is the man, and uh, Orange Cassidy absolutely one of my favorite wrestlers going just now. So seeing the two of them them go at it is uh, 
it's a uh, you know it's kind of WrestleMania for me, <laughs> to be honest. Bit of your just, a dream match for you and uh, and Chris. Exactly. Uh, did this match it was do a dream match? I didn't well? know I needed. <laughs> exactly. She <laughs> didn't know you needed. I think Chris has put that well. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it might be a little controversial. I think it was almost the third best match of the night. It, it was just because wow. not only was it fun, but they did the business too. Uh, that yeah. be delicious every time I bust it out and John Silver the power it's insane those kicks you know like he, he really is something special and I didn't know this but he was on tough enough as well back yeah, in the day. I, I saw his video this week and I'd never seen it and really? he was hilarious yeah. absolutely hilarious that's what Nick at the rounds yeah Exactly. So we've all seen that this week, and again, like that shows the popularity, you know, that YouTube started to pick up on the John Silver algorithm that we're all looking into. Personality, and he is, you know, look at him. He, he, unfortunately, you're never really going to take him that seriously. So I think he knows how to embrace exactly who he is and and how to get over. And you could argue, you know, Orange Cassidy's done almost exactly the same thing. You know, he's tapped into. A character that doesn't have to be incredibly powerful or own smart or you know anything like that. He's just he almost seems an extension of himself as we always know, as history tells us, they are the best characters. Um so for me, yeah, fantastic match, like really good fun. And yeah, I was just laughing through it. The pockets you know, I love him, yeah. He's always hungry, you know, and uh, for me what I got for and yeah, it did reference several moments from being elite over the last couple of months. So really good. Um yeah, great fun. Yeah, I just love the way that he's kind of got himself over with his personality. Uh, like you say, he, as Grizz put it, he's his buff AF. Um, and uh, yeah, like I say, I, I really enjoyed this match. Really, really did. I thought the two of them put in some great sequences. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned that uh, kind of the bubble might burst slightly with Orange Cassidy. And I think he might a few more wins under his belt to maybe uh, get back up there. But uh, yeah, uh, let's move on to the next match anyway. Cody Rhodes. Yes, Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. First off, I just want to say I loved Darby Allen's entrance on top of that spray painted car um, and then, then smashing the skateboard through the windscreen. I was slightly worried for the driver, uh, but uh, uh, that was a great way. And then, of course, we've got the, the Triple H-esque entrance from uh, Cody, as always, accompanied to the ring by uh, Brandy and the, uh, the the Nightmare family. And uh, great to see that uh, uh, Cody can finally have the use of the Rhodes name, uh, considering that uh, Brandy can use Brandy Rhodes and Dustin can use Dustin Rhodes, but he was not able to. Uh, but I think there's been uh, some sort of uh, deal struck behind the scenes there but um I also loved it when JR said on commentary uh, that, uh, uh, well, how about that? Uh, we've not heard that name since one of my screw-ups. So at least uh, JR was open that uh, he's fallible after all. Uh, we had the great Mike, Mike Kyoda as the official. Uh, and it doesn't take too long before uh, we see Cody get a bit frustrated with Darby Allen's offense. Uh, Kobe, Cody even throws Darby um, over onto the rampway in like a hammerlock position. That looked like it sucked, uh, but probably not the worst bump that Darby Allen's ever taken, let's be honest. Uh, Cody missed a moonsault, which gave Darby Allen the chance to make a comeback. Uh, an exposed turbuckle came into play, leading to a two count for Darby Allen. We even saw some some biting and some showboating from uh, from uh, a somewhat frustrated Cody here. 
Uh, we got a really close deal fall from an avalanche crossroads. Uh, that looked incredible when he hit that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, th- there was another close near fall from Darby Allen from a coffin drop. And it's rare to see anybody actually kick out of the coffin drop, but Cody did on this occasion. Uh, then, guys, we had a series of roll-up and, and cradles from the two of them. Uh, and Darby came out on top with the final cradle, getting the pinfall. And we have a new TNT champion. So uh, for a moment, at the end of this match, I thought Cody was going to turn heel on, on uh, Darby. But instead... Instead, he got down on one knee, handed uh, Darby Allen the championship and uh, yeah, the, they showed a lot of sportsmanship in handing over the belt there to his opponent and the new champion. So, uh, uh, Mag, starting with you again, uh, this was another really, really good match. We're, we're three for three at the moment uh, for the main show, but uh, give us your thoughts on this one. Yeah, uh, I think it was uh, uh, one of Cody's better matches in 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 AEW. I think him and Darby Allen have such great in ring chemistry, and uh, they they just they just seem to know each other so well in terms of wrestling. Um, I, I love the way he focused on the arm and and kind of like took that kind of old school approach of wearing down a body part. Um, I enjoyed the the kind of subtle heel turn of of, of Arn Anderson where he was uh, he went out and gave um, Cody the advice of uh, come on bully him around the ring you're stronger than him. Uh, That's a good show, actually. Yeah, and 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 then when we got to the end and, and Cody uh, handed him the title, like, you could see the frustration on on Arn's face. Like he, he was not happy that that Cody had, had had kind of just relinquished the title. But yeah, it was mm-hmm. a, I I really really enjoyed the match. Uh, like I said, one of Cody's better matches. And uh, yeah, it was a um, a great way to put uh, Darby Allen's like name front and center and, and become the the new face of TNT. Mm, 100% agreed. And uh, Grizz, going to yourself, uh, this was a great match, wasn't it? Oh, man. Um, let's, uh, well, we can talk about, like, uh, Cody's reign and how, like, because, like, I'm not going to lie. When Brody Lee beat Cody for the, the belt, I was chuffed. And when Cody just won it right back, it was like, eh, no, not, not my kind of thing. But, you know what? I feel like that was almost the perfect platform for someone like Darby to beat Cody, especially because of the uh, the story going into it. Like, um, which is which is interesting because um, Cody keeps saying I've I've beat Cody. Uh, sorry, I've beat Darby multiple times. Like, but you haven't. You beat Darby once, and then the second time, or you know, the first time was. Uh, uh, time limit draw. So you've only beat Darby once, and that was why an absolute fluke on Darby's half. Because if you remember, he hit the uh, he hit the coffin drop, and then kind of went back so far that he kind of put himself into a pinfall. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, technically, Cody has never technically beat uh, Darby Allen. So like, this was really good. That um, I. I will uh, kind of dispute the fact that like uh, Cody kicked out of the um, coffin drop though. Like I feel like that should have been the finish. That would have been a great way to end it. But the the kind of roll up back and forth thing was was pretty awesome. Mm, yeah, and uh, Chris, you were happy with the new champion? Yeah, I was. I I think it was slightly telegraphed only because you know as Cody kept saying he. would 
even if it's not technically true he had like beaten him i suppose more than once so i think you know you you kind of had the idea he couldn't lose again um i am very happy with that it was a great match of styles and yeah cody slight he knows just like triple h used to just want to heal it up just a little you know not a complete character change but under promos he was kind of had that heelish mannerism so they'd set that up really well it was a good match the avalanche crossroads the way derby kind of took the impact and rolled over to the ropes that was really good that protected that slightly um so i wouldn't i had no real problem with him kicking out the coffin drop you know either uh with that so yeah, it was it was a really strong match. Worked over the hammerlock and the arm for a long, long time. You know, yeah, he perhaps um, like uh, to Max's point, like Arn's there getting very frustrated with that. Perhaps he wanted him to stick to the game plan uh, rather than trying to say new. So there was a lot of storylines within that which I quite enjoyed. At the end, yeah, Cody remains the face, and I do think he will. He said it in a promo a couple of weeks back. He was going to stick to this path. You know, stick with the fans. They got in there. I don't see him actually turning. And of course, it led to the intervention of Team Taz, which we might talk about in a minute. Yeah. Uh, so I think you had to had to kind of keep facing up, basically, you know, up until that moment. But Derby looked great. And I believe he's the first of what I'm going to call the kind of, I mean, Cody said it himself, like the year one rookies. He's the first of those, I think, to actually win a title. So if you count like MJF, um, Jungle Boy, you know, Brit, Sammy Graham. Yeah, so that's quite a special win for Derby in a way, uh, considering his relative lack of experience. But Absolutely. Yeah, so... Really strong match, you know, and both of them look fantastic. I can't get enough of watching Derby move around the ring and Cody's frustration with that. It, it just added to it. So maybe one of Cody's best matches and certainly probably Derby's match, best match. Yeah, and you alluded to it there, Chris, that uh, Taz came out. He said enough of the crying and the waterworks. Uh, then Ricky Starks and Brian Cage, they come from behind. They attack Cody and Derby Allen uh, and uh, Arn Anderson on the outside. Uh, we see a small amount of tension between Ricky Starks and Brian Cage when they both have uh, one hand on the TNT Championship. So maybe there's a bit of uh, bit of tension there, maybe a storyline to be had somewhere down the line. Uh, but in the end, uh, Taz kind of regains their focus and Cage and Starks, they uh, uh, attack Cody and Darby Allen. I think they drive Darby Allen through part of the stage on the outside. They even attempted uh, to kind of uh, do further injury to his arm with the car door until big Will Hobbs came along and chased them off. So uh, I'm sure we'll find out more uh, the ongoing storyline there on Wednesday and Dynamite. But a uh, nice bit of storyline development there. Let, let's talk about the AEW Women's Championship then, because we did kind of briefly uh, discuss uh, it when we were talking about the NWA Women's Championship earlier on. But uh, Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose. Now, admittedly, they were in quite a tough spot because they've had uh, a championship uh, change to uh, you know, come off the back of um, and uh, three really, really top matches um, at, at the kind of start of the card. But um, in this, you had a lot of outside interference from Vicky Guerrero. Um, I, I thought that the match was a bit weak, to be honest with you. And I, I honestly thought that Nyla Rose had the, the better share of the offense. Um, but uh, it ended up with uh, Sheeda retaining her championship. Um, and uh, I thought it was a bit of a weak finish. But um, I'm going to start with uh, with Grizz. Uh, give us your thoughts on this one. I know that you're a big fan of, of women's wrestling. Uh, we've spoken about it before. Uh, but, um, you know, give us your thoughts on this one. And is the AEW women's division really clicking at the moment? Well, um, you know what? <laughs> that was a loaded plate right there. Um, so I will say, like, yes, I am absolutely chuffed that uh, Karashida retained the belt. Um it is very disappointing, obviously, right now that like uh, most of the 
the women's division because clearly they very much relied on a lot of uh, Japanese talent. Like, you know, you had uh, Emi Sakura and then you had um, Yuka Sakazaki and then... Um, Rio. Uh, Rio, yes. Uh, and I'm, I am, I'm so sorry. I am blanking on the fourth one. The, the sweet, cute little um, uh, wolf girl. Oh my god, that this is gonna kill me later. Uh, but um, it may, it, it may come to me in a minute. So you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but like, I mean, they're doing all right with the talent that they've got. And um, Shida is an excellent champion. Like, the only thing that I am going to bring up... I mean, match was fine. Yada, yada, yada. Um, but they need to book Shida so much better than they are. Because, uh, like, um, I think there was kind of that kind of implication earlier when we st- uh, we spoke about the women's title match uh, of the NWA division um, of... It seems like they're kind of booking that that uh, the NWA women's title better than they are doing their um, AEW title, and it's the kind of way of like, yeah, well, like that that match was booked. There's like, okay, yeah, it's gonna be at the buy-in and yada yada, but the way that this match was booked was just, oh, okay, right, well, Nala Rose, do you want a title shot? Right, cool. So was, that was like that was like uh, on Wednesday and. I don't know. Like, I just feel like there needs to be more work put into this belt because um, there is a lot of there's a lot of talent there, and you know, it, arguably, it may not be the best women's division, but they can work with what they've got. And one, so sorry, I know I've been prattling along for very long. Uh, the one last thing is um, the only person that I will accept beating Sheeta and I'm waiting for you to react to this, is the only person to beat Sheeta is, obviously, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Uh, Chris, um, give us your thoughts on this one, because I know you've got some opinions on the AW Women's Division, and uh, you kind of briefly compared it to the, uh, the the way they're booking the NWA Women's Division, but to give us your thoughts on what we're down here, buddy. Yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't an awful match by any means. I think it was in a difficult position, as you said, like where it was on the card. Yeah, uh, I feel like Nina Rose has had a, a, a few kind of cracks at it now as well. So I think they've got a real problem with her not not winning it or keeping it as she had before. Um, I also think you're going to have to have, though, a heel champion in Steps, Dr. Brett Baker, to line up this champion, she'd have knocking them down. And they've done that. You know, so you need creative ways to finish these matches to keep these storylines going because if Shida wins, it's going to be a clean win, isn't it? And then essentially, there's no leg to stand on. So I really think they need to have a heel champion and to keep sneaking wins just to draw out these feuds a little because they're just knocking them down. I think, well, who else now? You know, you've got Big Swole, who's obviously very good, and there's plenty of fantastic, talented women. And when AEW started, it was one of the things I was looking forward to the most, actually. But I have to say, it's been an underwhelming year for the women's division, you know, out of unfortunately Brandy Rhodes kind of 
sponsored heels content is is helping the actual main point which is the the title scene so not a bad match quick shout out to vicky guerrero who continues to be just amazing at what she does and it was nice to see her use that kendo stick as well because it was probably, i don't know that kind of just came out of nowhere for me it was, i was quite pleased with that spot and um yeah afterwards kind of slapping nyla you know and giving her abuse i think she's very good at that but yeah, I, th- I just think they've got a problem with the challengers. Not the talent, but I just think they need someone else as champion, although I love Sheeta, I think as time has come. And then, yeah, just drag it out a little, you know, and have a long-term feud, but it has to have a heel champion uh, just to get some longevity out of these challengers because I think they're just going to run out um, of credible women to line up for it. Mm, and, and Mags yourself, uh, is, is Dr. Britt Baker uh, going to be the saviour of the AW women's division? It, it it has to be surely to God. I mean, she was the the face uh, that we we expected to get at, at the beginning, and and it felt like she maybe wasn't quite ready for that role. Uh, and I think actually getting injured did her the world of good because it, it allowed her to to kind of work on a character more than the wrestling. I mean, the wrestling is from Britt Baker is outstanding anyway. Uh, going to this match though, I think. Um, I, I, I like the fact that uh, uh, Nyla Rose had those like Mega Man vibes with her outfit. I thought that was a, a cool little uh, throwback to a special to a retro gamer. And uh, what I did also think was uh, good, and it kind of touches on a point that, that Chris made about uh, about uh, knocking these heels down and, and getting the clean wins. We kind of like saw the the, the beginnings of maybe a, a face turn from Nyla when mm. uh, when she was uh, slapped by. Uh, Vicky Guerrero, you would expect Nyla to have absolutely laid waste to anyone done that, but she she almost cowered. She almost like was 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 saddened and almost upset that Vicky uh, gave her the slap. So perhaps that could be the 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 genesis of a, a Nyla Rose face turn. But yeah, I think uh, all eyes are pointed on on Britt Baker now uh, being the the next big challenger for Sheeta. Yeah, personally, personally, I I don't like the idea of right now. If it starts, she needs to be heel. I think like um, if anything, this may be the the kind of part where it's like they realize that Vicky Guerrero is not working. So maybe this kind of be the the first step of break away. Yeah, just get rid of her. Yeah. Mm, yeah, well, I agree. You spoke about the, the dream match you didn't know you uh, you wanted uh, or needed until Orange Cassidy faced John Silver. Uh, FTR versus Young Bucks is a dream match that we've all had on on our kind of fancy wish list for many many years now. And uh, this was the match, this was the the kind of the, the payoff you could say for the AEW Tag Team Championship. So uh, um, yeah, I mean, this match has had a, an interesting build. I know that the build to this match has had its critics online, uh, especially with the Young Bucks kind of coming out in that backstage promo saying that if they don't win the tag titles at full gear, they will never wrestle for the tag, tag titles ever again. Uh, Chris, I'm going to throw it over to you. What are your thoughts on the match in particular? Match that a lot kind of uh, thinking about or wishing for ever since FTR with the revival back in the NXT days, uh, let alone when they were on the main roster. Um, but um, did, did, did the bill take a bit of a weird turn when the Bucks supposedly started super kicking everybody in sight and Tony Schiavone? Uh, you know, did the bill do it for you? Um, it was an interesting build, let's say. Yeah, I, obviously it plays into a much wider picture with Hangman as well and um, Omega and FDR kind of poisoning the elite as well. So I think you have to keep that in balance as well. Um, 
I think the build between, yes, I agree that like, they came across as heelish. I think if they were worked harder to, to make that seem like they were just mentally affected by FTR and they were frustrated, you know, more than a full heel turn. And they just, they just couldn't like, you know, get them out of their minds, almost like an obsession. If they had done that slightly differently, it still would have worked, I think, in my mind, because they really like they had every reason to hate FTR and uh, for that FTR for their part were brilliant uh, healing up you know breaking apart the elite or driving a wedge between them so the build essentially has been on from yeah way back in the day December I think they said what was it 18th um matt jackson put out that tweet about you know one day ftr will fight the young bucks and the world will rejoice and yeah we did rejoice and i'll talk about a match in a minute the the you know yeah let's take aside the the heel face dynamic if you'd have stuck to who they were the build was great you know um tully getting involved the, the ankle injury you know yeah i think it was satisfactory for what it was but i don't think this is over either so there's plenty more to get out of it so i think they've got some gas left in the tank but we'll talk about it in a minute well let's touch on some of the highlights of the match and because uh, this was uh, all in all a very very good tag match i don't know if it lived up to everybody's hype or uh, kind of five star expectations but it did deliver on a lot of fronts i mean for starters some of the, the tag team offense i mean you had uh, the ftr take a page out the heart foundations book and the steiner's playbook as well and later on they even did the the diy tomato champer johnny gargano uh, finisher as well with the running knee and super kick deal uh the bucks uh, hooked in a, a double uh, sharpshooter on ftr as well one on the rampway one inside the ring so another little bit of a throwback to bret hart and the Hart foundation days um uh, FTR hit a spiked inverted pile driver, uh, but they couldn't close down the match from there. Uh, but uh, uh, Cash goes right against their no flips, just fists policy by by uh, attempting and missing a springboard 450 splash, allowing Matt Jackson to hit one final super kick to cover and to win the match for the Young Bucks, becoming uh, a new AEW World Tag Team Champion. So uh, even Kenny Omega came out uh, to uh, celebrate and congratulate uh, the Young Bucks, but. Uh, uh, starting with you, uh, Mags, uh, give us your thoughts on this uh, tag team title match between the Bucks and FTR. Yeah, as, as someone who's, who's kind of bread and butter has always been tag team wrestling, um, this had the opportunity to be one of the best matches ever or just overhyped beyond all, all comprehension. And I think it, it just floated that line. I think the work rate was absolutely brilliant. The, the callbacks to all the other... Uh, tag teams of old, I absolutely loved. The only thing that they could have added for me uh, to to really make me pop would have been a uh, if they did a Doomsday Device, that would have been absolutely epic. Uh, but yeah, I thought the match, the work rate was brilliant. I thought the 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 selling uh, from um, from uh, the the books was was superb. Uh, the the way that the the FTR was getting frustrated because they couldn't put the books away uh, to the point where they were trying something that is not in their wheelhouse at all, and that was the, that was the downfall. The the slap, um, they really worked on on uh, Matt's Matt's leg. Uh, they took his boot off. They they, uh, they they pretty much broke his leg, but yeah, he was still able to win with a super kick on a leg with no boot, which was also broken. It felt like the, the, the finish was was a little bit ropey. But aside from that, this was everything that I expected this match to be. And I, I, I loved every second of it. Mm, Grizz? Well, you know what? 
I'm coming here with a, uh, a different perspective. Um, I thought uh, I hated the build-up. I'm not gonna lie. FDR arguably have been the biggest bust in um, AEW so far, and the build-up uh, of the Young Bucks makes me not care about them. So arguably going into this match, I didn't care. I mean, I um, I was like, all right, I would rather get the Young Bucks to win over FTR because FTR are I again this is just my opinion FTR have not had a good match since they've been in AEW or even if they've had like you know shades of a decent match is because of who they've worked with like you know like people like best friends and yada yada but I mean like this match wasn't bad like so I'm going to give them some credit for that and but I don't know. I a super kick with your bare your bare fleeps, um, and that wins the belt is like come on. I don't know. I th- I thought it was kind of a little bit of a bad finish, my opinion. Mm. And uh, and Chris was there a little bit of uh, too much hype for this match, and uh, you know did it deliver? Um, except it was a good match, but was it a great match? I actually think it was a really great match, you know, and finish aside, because I, I see that point uh, completely, the the callbacks, I mean, I made a note of all the tag team references I thought I'd seen in that, and I've got Heart Foundation, Dudley Boys, the Hardys, because at one point it was Twist of Fate, one time, Steiners, uh, yeah, DIY, and obviously Midnight Express is a bit more obvious with FTR, but yeah, it was, um, you know, it was, I think it was a really great match. Grizz talked earlier about uh, Omega and Hangman may maybe needing a few more minutes just to really, you know, you know when a match becomes epic because it doesn't end when you think it's going to happen. And that happened about four times in this match for me. Great camera work covered up a lot of the moments where Dash or Cash would like leap in last minute. Same with the Young Bucks. So for me, it had that real, oh, you actually don't know when this is going to end, you know. So for me, it had reasonable build up, a little bit confusing maybe. Great work, great absolutely fantastic uh, callbacks to it was a tag team tribute match wasn't it you know it was a tribute to everything that made those team teams who they were um and yeah good selling i think by matt as well it takes a lot to remember to kind of limp you know constantly throughout a match um yeah re- really good match i think um finish aside the the right winners of course i think however of course as everyone's pointed out the stipulation really did signpost the young bucks winning unfortunately you know we knew we weren't going to have any situation like Cody where there was a different belt created to chase so yeah a bit sad that because and again it goes against whatever heel dynamic they were trying to build it's a very face stipulation isn't it to build and, and why would you do that it just makes no sense unless some person authority has put that on you or unless you've challenged multiple times I don't know why the Bucks would even do that it makes little to no sense so take away the build completely look at the match and yeah really great really strong uh really exciting stuff and a lovely tribute i would say yeah to, to tag team wrestling i think they mm. did it. and we have uh, new tag team champions but uh, let's talk about one of the uh, most talked about matches coming out of uh, full gear from last night and that's the elite deletion match at the hardy compound matt hardy versus sammy guevara uh this well i i think we've seen uh every type of 
uh, the deletion match that Matt Hardy's ever been in, uh, whether it be with Impact or WWE. Um, but uh, I mean, this one, Sammy turned up in a golf cart, the, the Spanish God golf cart. Uh, Matt Hardy come a, a, along in his monster truck and uh, promptly squashed uh, the, the golf cart. Um, the match officially starts when they fight into the woods. Uh, they even fight into onto the, the Hardy's front lawn before fighting towards a conveniently placed AEW wrestling ring. Uh, Hardy smashes uh, Guevara through a table. Uh, we then see Santana and Ortiz appear to prevent a, uh, they appear out of nowhere to prevent a pinfall and to start the beat down on Hardy. Then private party, they pull up and they uh, come to Matt Hardy's aid. Uh, Hardy and Sammy, they, they start shooting fireworks at one another, um, but uh, quite relevant with it being uh, November the 5th, a couple of days ago, but uh, highly dangerous. Don't try that one at home, boys and girls. Uh, and just as Hardy is accepted. <laughs> just as about to uh, Hardy's about to cleanse Sammy in the lake of reincarnation we see a masked figure who turns out to be Gangrel uh, Gangrel has uh, the, the hurricane Shane Helms tied up uh, but Gangrel is chased off by a private party uh, Sammy gets locked into the, the dome of deletion uh, the match uh, takes a turn as they fight into a second ring uh, Sammy uses the turnbuckles to attack Hardy and eventually chokes Hardy out with the ring ropes uh, then Sammy hits a huge uh, swanton off of this 25 foot ladder inside the ring driving Hardy through a table there's a, a twist of fate from Hardy and a spear sending Sammy through another table on the outside before busting uh, which busted Sammy opened up quite badly from the head it seemed to be bleeding from the mouth as well then Hardy smashes a chair down onto Sammy Guevara's head covers and gets the pinfall so uh, Sammy is then stuffed into a wheelie bin I've got down here loaded into the back of a truck and taken away by Senor Benjamin so uh, a lot to unpick here um, Mags I'm going to start with you to start the unpicking um, a lot Lots of kind of callbacks, lots of um, interesting cameos with the Hurricane and Gangrel. Um, but uh, give us your thoughts on this one, buddy. Yeah, um, this is probably for me the the lowest point of the card. Um, as much as the the Matt Hardy kind of cinematic uh, matches have been uh, really good, I think this is just maybe one too many. There was it was literally just every broken uh, universe idea all thrown in into one. You you saw literally everything he's ever mentioned in the broken or the walking universe in, at some point or other. Uh, the jumping of the shark with uh, Hurricane and then Gangrel uh, that was fun but kind of unneeded. Um, yeah, and, and what what really kind of ruined it the most for me was the production. Uh, I don't think it needed the commentary over the top of it. I felt that, that uh, the match should have been able to speak for itself. And also, I was very jarred by... Uh, there was a, a section where, where they were wrestling in the mud, and then two seconds later, they were going towards the, the, the dome, and... and um, Sammy Guevara's T-shirt was dry when it, it was absolutely sodden with mud uh, just a few minutes ago. And you can It kind of made me realise that this had been filmed in, in sections, which kind of like took me out of it. Um, I, I'm, I don't get the point of the finish as well, because what was the need of, of getting Matt Hardy over when Sammy is clearly the future of, of AEW? Um, I didn't like the call back to uh, Matt's injury with, uh, with the head injury uh, going through the tables, mm -hmm. uh, which they did with uh, Sammy. It just, it felt like it just didn't fit in with the rest of the show for me. Uh, uh, but hopefully, uh, I mean, Matt said it uh, on the match, uh, saying how he hopefully that's the end of it. And yeah, same with me. I think uh, hopefully this is like this storyline put to bed. Uh, Chris, give us your thoughts on this one. 
Yeah, it's an excellent point, uh, Max. There, I think you know it was a tribute to the every kind of deletion or broken universe like tropes that you could imagine. Um, I considered showing this match to my wife this morning, and I think better of it because I just thought, where do you start? Uh, it, it was really entertaining. <laughs> but how do you start like the hurricane is in relation to you know? And, <laughs> I try and, when I review these shows, I try and think, if I was a casual first-time viewer, what would I think of this match? And yes, I think it was entertaining, but I'd be lost with all the many references, I think, in that. Um, um, I don't mind, it made slightly uncomfortable viewing that they did call back um, Hardy's terrible kind of, um, I guess you could call it a botch, but, you know, let's not get into that. Um, but... As Max said, it was it was clearly like pre-produced and then cut together. So that did make some interesting camera work. So when Sammy got his head smashed by the chair, it made it look quite good. You know, same when he got literally thrown straight out. You know, there was some clever cuts in there. The kind of um, almost, I suppose, I want to say swanton bomb off the ladder, uh, which is something we haven't mentioned yet by Sammy was incredible. I thought he was going to hit his head on the roof, of course. You know, it was quite high up. Um, but yeah, really lots of fun. Uh, Fireworks shooting was great. Great to see Gangro. Great to see Shane Helms in there uh, and the Hardy family. Senior Benjamin, Neo, he, he literally was everything. I think if we wind the clock back, this was the match that probably they wanted to do with Chris Jericho and Matt Hardy when he first came in. He invited him onto the Hardy compound. We never got that match because of the lockdown. And I get the feeling that's what that would have been. Uh, place we've got to this point. And because the other match that we talked about didn't go to plan, I wanted them to finish with some real closure, and that's what this did. And like we all, I think, can agree on, that's got to be the last of it now. Sammy not being there, I think there's a reason for that. I think, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but it'll be talking about the inner circle and maybe someone new, I think, can tie into Sammy's absence and then eventual comeback. So we'll, we'll get to that. I think there's something at play there, actually. Um, but yeah, really fun match. Uh, just bonkers. Just bonkers. Yeah. And Grizz, what were your takeaway moments from this match? Well, um, I thought I thought it was okay, but arguably, um, at the end of the day, it may have been the the worst of the deletion matches. But, but, <laughs> um, it it was still fun in its own right. It had its own um, its own deck, and then. Um, the, the fact that, you know, Senior Benjamin um, at the end of driving them away, like, that got a, a big pop from the crowd, mm-hmm. which was awesome, but um, it, it was it was kind of one of these things where it's like, ah, you know what, we've seen this multiple times before, and, like, arguably it's been done so much better because um, Jeremy Borash has been behind the, yeah. the, the, the helm when it when it comes to this and I mean it was it, it was fine and you know I would hope that this is the end of it but like that kind of that that one spot where you know Hardy kind of speared um Guevara through the the table and then Guevara was like oh my god my the back of my head is bleeding it's like eh, you didn't need to do that because I mean, in real life, when that happened, your head didn't burst open. But so your brain I mean, scrambled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, big old scrambled brains, delicious breakfast for everyone. Um, but yeah, it it was it was fine. 
I guess, yeah. as um, as my kind of takeaway. And uh, I mean, you kind of seen that, like uh, the blood that was on Sammy Guevara. It's like, ah, that's not real. So. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, probably not one to show your wife, as Chris established, if she's not already a wrestling fan. So uh, there we go. <laughs> Shall we move on? Let's, let's talk about MJF. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about uh, MJF versus Chris Jericho. And if MJF wins, he gets to join the inner circle. Now, but before we discuss the match, I just want to go on record to say that right off the bat, I thought that the uh, the, the dinner debonair segment from a few weeks ago was the best pro wrestling skit i've seen in a long long time what was your thoughts uh guys I, I don't think i've spoke to anybody on this podcast about it but chris i, I think you were a big fan of uh, dinner debonair weren't you i was so impressed by mjf singing um you know we all know jericho can sing. great <laughs> wrestling as always and will continue to be a variety act and i think it was just brilliant it was unexpected um and uh, yeah I was, I was a really big fan of it and as i said on that show this is a flirtation between two straight talents. It's not a fight. And that plays into how, you know, what happened after this match as well. We've got to remember they're not really feuding. You know, this is about gaining respect. So the fact they had a dinner and a song together, yeah, I, I see it more as a, as a kind of straight romance rather than a feud between the two. So it played into that brilliantly. Um, so Romance. Romance, if you will. Um, big fact. <laughs> but, um, it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a dream sequence, uh, according to Sonic Cut Red. And I wouldn't have even minded that, to be fair, because it was so bonkers, and that might have pleased Jim Cornette just a little if it hadn't been like. Um, but yeah, really good segment, and it got people talking and watching in their minions. Do you know what I mean? So the demo god and the ratings ruler um, did the business. You know, they they can't deny it. they are the two most watchable people, I suppose, apart from John Silver uh, on AEW. So yeah, great segment. Yeah. And one thing I haven't mentioned about this whole show yet is that they had uh, uh, probably more fans in attendance at Daly's Place during the COVID era than they ever have done before. I think they had about a thousand uh, paying fans to watch Full Gear last night. And you certainly heard them or they certainly turned the, the mics up uh, that was in front of the fans last night when uh, Chris Jericho made his entrance and they were all singing along to Judas. Uh, that was absolutely fantastic as always. Uh, but in this one, Jericho tries the, the Judas effect uh, back elbow early on, uh, only finding the, the steel of the ring post on the outside. We even see Jericho break out a Frankensteiner, which is not something we've seen him do before. Uh, NJF focuses on uh, Jericho's injured arm throughout the match. Uh, NJF hits a code breaker and a heat seeker, but only for a close near fall. Uh, and after not being able to make Jericho tap out to the, the salt of the earth, MJF calls out Wardlow uh, to come to the ring uh, with his uh, with uh, MJF's uh, diamond uh, dynamite diamond ring of course Jericho ducks the loaded punch from MJF uh, and then gets uh, thrown uh, his baseball bat from the outside by Jake Hager However, the referee, uh, with the referee's back turned, MJF, MJF uses a page out of the late great Eddie Guerrero's playbook. Fakes being hit, falls to the canvas. All the referee sees is Jericho with the uh, the bat and MJF on the canvas. Uh, then from out of nowhere, MJF rolls up Jericho to get the uh, the quick and some might say cheap pinfall. And the uh, guys, uh, at the end of it all, Jericho welcomes MJF and Wardlow into the inner circle. So personally, I thought the ending sequence was quite entertaining. Um, I wasn't uh, that wowed by the match itself, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, I'd love to know your thoughts. Uh, starting with uh, Grizz, uh, let's throw it to you. MJF versus Chris Jericho. Uh, did it do it for you, buddy? Uh, again, 
it was fine. Um, the obviously, like uh, the one thing that um, that you didn't mention is the fact that, like, you know, NGF had the tights, so um, you know, he he always said going in the build up that I will do anything to win, and then there you go. That was mm. uh, that was what he'd done to win, and it, it is interesting because, like, you know, as MGF always said, as well, you know. Wardlow isn't hired by AEW. He's hired by me. So, by proxy, I guess he's in the inner circle. But I feel like that might be the the initial tear. Mm-hmm. Of, like, because, obviously, one day, Wardlow is going to... Uh, he's going to leave NGF, and evidently he's going to leave the inner circle. And... Obviously, you know, 2021, Wardlow for world champ. Let's do this. Could happen. Could happen. But, uh, Could yeah, happen. Yeah, he's a fantastic talent. Yeah, I can't wait for him to break away from MJF and show us what he's uh, really capable of. But uh, Mags, throwing it over to yourself. Uh, did this uh, do it for you? Uh, did you find this match entertaining? Are you happy that MJF is now part of the inner circle? Yeah, I thought this match was, was very, very entertaining. Uh, I, I just... Really, really enjoyed, like like Chris said, that MJF's got this like never, uh, never say die kind of do anything to win attitude, and and it showed at the end that that's really what kind of got him uh, into the inner circle because Jericho was they were hugging uh, because of it, and it, and it kind of like showed uh, Jericho that MJF is is like him. That he isn't soft, uh, and they really kind of played on that. Uh, the way he kind of really leaned into that uh, salt of the earth uh, uh, after uh, working on the arm. I thought it was a, a really uh, interesting way to end the match with uh, with uh, threatening with the the diamond uh, uh, dynamite diamond ring, and then the, the like you said the callback to the Eddie Guerrero stuff with with the with the bat. The the heat between uh, Wardlaw and Hager that oh, really kind that's... of tells a, a story to, to come. Uh, I think what I think I, I agree with, with Grace about Wardlaw splitting from uh, MGF soon. And I think he'll be a face as well. Uh, because if you if you look back at some of uh, his appearances on, on being the lead, especially the one with uh, with everybody's favourite John Silver, he really showed his kind of uh, he's got character chops as well. You don't really see a lot of that when in Dynamite, but on on uh, on being the lead, you can see he's really got that that character, uh, and I think he'd make a really good face, and he'd make a really good world champion. So I'm I'm all on board a, a world law for world champion uh, shout. But yeah, I enjoyed this match. It was a it was a really really ooh, fun ooh. match. Mm. Go on the world law train. There we go, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Chris, throwing it over to you. Give us your thoughts on the match. And uh, a quick question for you as a side note. You know, are the, are the dynamics of the inner circle uh, about to change? And, and could it lead to some interesting storylines? Yeah, I think so. They've still got a match first. It was part Chris Jericho tribute, part greatest hits. He pulled out a lot of his moves that we haven't seen in a while, like a Frankensteiner. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that MJF came out dressed in Jericho at time. Yeah. So... Yeah. Carrying on. I forgot that that, that was amazing. Like the, yeah. the layout jacket and everything. Oh, that was incredible. 
And this carries on my idea that I think, yeah, this is a bromance between them, isn't it? Look at the the way he reacted to that finish. He wanted him to beat him, really, I think, secretly, being as devious as he could be. The multiple kind of false finishes were great because, yeah, he didn't get disqualified. He still had to roll him up. And it, it was really good to see. You know, I love MJF so much. And I was looking at the age difference between these two, and I just think, man, like, how good are you going to be, Maxwell Jacob Freeman? You know, in like, years, if you're this good now, terrifying um as for the dynamics themselves yeah i i think i'm just now sammy's probably going to take another maybe leave of absence because you probably should you know having been deleted from the universe as it were so uh, he will come back and what i really liked was how they've already made clear that the inner circle is split on whether they like mjf or not you know you've got almost a 50 50 split there which i quite like you know because when he does come back there will be competition to be the young lion in that position I think the really interesting thing about this match was what's going to come afterwards. I don't personally see MJF in the inner circle, and I don't want him to be in the inner circle. So I really think he's going to do some manipulating when he's inside that. Um, it, it just doesn't suit the vibe of that like team. So I really think there's going to be more to it. Um, and that's what I'm really looking forward to, what happens next. Because the best storylines wrestling is when you don't know what's going to happen. And I don't. I generally don't know what's going to happen next. I just, you just can't see him just being part of that inner circle. Plus, there's seven of them now. And that's too big a number. Uh, but, yeah, I'm also going to hop on the Wardlow trade because he was, you know, a beast. And it's very similar to how Dave Batista was received when he was in Evolution. In the, he's breaking away from that group. You know, it reminds me a lot of that. And the pop for that was insane when he finally did that. So, very reminiscent of that. But, yeah, definitely going to be a big change in the inner circle. And I like that. I really like that. So top marks, yeah, not a tremendous match by any means, but we don't expect that of Jericho and we don't expect of MGF. You know, it's their characters that, that draws yeah. him. Yeah, the story is going to be interesting for sure. Go ahead. Uh, I remember one more thing. Um, yeah. to, on, on the back of what Chris just said, like, yeah, like, MGF should be the... Uh, it should be in the inner circle, and I think that's a, that is a perfect way to, to describe that. Is um, they are really going to be all over the, all over the place when it comes to um, MGF, like, uh, and I think the end game with this will be that MGF is going to kind of corrupt the rest of the inner circle, and um, uh. And then turn them against Jericho. You know, look at a mutiny. Like, yes. oh, we're pirates, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna strike a mutiny against the captain. And I feel like that's how this is gonna go. Shout mm. out Paul Birchall. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and Mags, I'm going to throw it. Boy. I'm going to throw it to you, Mags, very briefly before we talk about the main event. A- any thoughts on uh, kind of the dynamics of the inner circle with MJF and Wardlow being included? Who might uh, be there? Who might be the last man standing uh, when all said and done at the end of this storyline? Where do you where do you consider it going? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, Grizz made some good points that we're going to we're going to see a mutiny. I think uh, um, MJF has got that kind of charisma where. He can bring people to his viewpoint. He can like um, he can manipulate people enough that they turn against Jericho. And maybe this will be uh, kind of a, a way of Jericho to go away for a while and, and, and maybe freshen up uh, MJF uh, taking over control of, of Inner Circle. I mean, Inner Circle as a heel faction, it's been more kind of comedy heel. Uh, you've seen like uh, the the state, uh, statement stampede match and stuff like that. They haven't really delved into being a full heelish faction. And I think. 
as MGF controlling, taking over the the uh, the facts. I mean, we've seen how he doesn't like being a, a subordinate. He did it with Corda, quickly turned on him. I think we're going to see him kind of like trying to usurp Jericho and and turning the inner circle into being a proper dastardly heel faction. <clears throat> Mm, yeah, that's going to be exciting for sure. But uh, let, let's talk about the main event then, gents. Uh, the I Quit match for the AEW World title. John Moxley, whereas my T-shirt says, John, I can't do it as well as Justin Roberts, uh, versus Eddie Kingston. So I've got to okay, say, and I'm sure, you, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you, uh, you guys will agree that Eddie Kingston... <laughs> <laughs> there you go, there you go. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, you're there. No! <laughs> Uh, but uh, Eddie Kingston's rise in his story has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, but uh, let, let, let's uh, kind of talk about this match then, the, the main event. So you can definitely feel there was a, a big match vibe. You obviously had that tremendous uh, ring announcement by Justin Roberts of John Moxley, of course. But um, this match, like most of the other matches tonight, very quickly went to the outside. Both men took a lot of punishment in this match. Uh, it didn't take long before weapons were introduced, uh, including chairs and a barbed wire baseball bat. Um, both men uh, were, were bloody and uh, uh, several barbed wire shots uh, were, were kind of hit during this match. Uh, Kingston uh, fights through the pain to hit two German suplexes and then uh, punishes Moxley uh, across the head with some more barbed wire loaded punches. Um, then uh, the, the Kingston gets suplexed through a chair. Thumbtacks are introduced as well by Moxley, uh, but by Kingston, sorry, but Moxley gets driven through it with a urinage. Um, after a, a couple of well-placed kicks to um, uh, Moxley's groin, shall we say, Kingston pulls rubbing alcohol into the back of Moxley before uh, punching Mox with a full fist of thumbtacks. Moxley comes back with a pole driver and a paradigm shift. And finally, Moxley hooks in one final bulldog choke, uh, this time with barbed wire wrapped around his arm uh, to add insult to injury. And uh, Kingston says the words, I quit. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the ring looks like a war zone. Both guys looks like they've been to battle. Um, it, it was a tremendous match. Like I say, a, a real kind of um, fairy tale story, you could say, for Eddie Kingston since um, having his debut match against Cody for the TNT Championship um, a few months back. But uh, I'm going to start with you, Chris. This uh, AEW World title match, another match that had a tremendous build, two tremendous uh, characters. Um, and uh, this was a good match. But um, my only kind of drawbacks on this is that I felt that it was probably you know a few too many weapons. I would like to have seen uh, maybe less weapons. But I think the stipulation um, hindered the quality of the match as well, to be honest with you. I would have preferred it not to have had the, the I quit stipulation. You take away the, the drama of the pinfalls and the, the close near falls. But Chris, I'm going to throw it over to you to give us your thoughts on this one. Yeah, you've, you've actually nailed it spot on there, John. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the I quit stipulation in general because it is very hard to have an explosive finish. You know it's going to have to be slow and dragged out. Apart from the, was it The Rock? Who had their voice recorded to say I quit? That was yeah, in Mankind and The Rock. Yeah, so that's that's great. Also, the messenger, you know. Yes, that's true. Yeah, but the, you know, what I mean, there's only so many ways you can get to that, and inevitably, it's a slow kind of finish, isn't it? Because if you knock someone off something high, they're going to be unconscious. If you put them to sleep, they're asleep. You know, so it has to be some kind of submission. Now, I actually quite like the barbed wire bulldog choke because that was. Yeah. Bel- and 
the finish itself was really good because you know Kingston with tears in his eyes and Moxley kind of saying you know you have to quit you have to quit it reminded me a lot of the film Warrior if you've ever seen that with Tom Hardy you know like he doesn't want to keep doing it to his brother and to go back to the build these two you know they are brothers they've been through the wars together they've known each other for many years now I think they said since about 2008 and I love a build like that because it's real man like you that footage i love seeing like footage from other like shows and indie shows it just makes it seem so legit the promos they had were amazing yeah. yes it's difficult to live up to that hype with that type of match because it quickly devolves into yeah just violent spots and it, that was great for what it was but I think because of the emotional yeah, type of match here, it would have been nice to see yeah, some kind of more submission attempts and more you know, pinfall attempts. And in the end, something similar to how it went down, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just not a fan of that stipulation in general because it, it does kind of build to a rather slow finish, I have to say. But build up, fantastic. You've got more than bang for your buck for the violence and the money. And yeah, I think just to see the look on Kingston's face as he had to quit and the tears in his eyes, it was emotional, you know, and I thought it was quite a, a nice kind of somber ending in a way to the pay-per-view because, you know, Moxley won, but it took him a while to get his, like, you know, energy back. And he knew, he knew that, like, it, it moved him to have to do that to his friend. So I think from a storytelling point of view, great. From a match point of view, yeah, pretty good, you know, pretty strong. But yeah, unfortunately, not the, the best match on the card. So unfortunately, because it ended the show, it, it leaves you with a slightly underwhelming feeling, I think. Mm, and uh, Grizz, your thoughts on this main event? I think it's, this was awesome. Um, yes, I will agree with uh, Chris there that it was not the best match on the card, but. Jesus, the ending of this match was incredible. Like, the, uh, you know, like, the fact that uh, Moxley has um, done the bully choke uh, recently and then has has, um, made Kingston tap out, but when he done it with barbed wire, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, seriously, like, oh, Oh, there, there was a, there, there was a lot of wire there. Like when he wrapped that barbed wire around Kingston's throat. Oh my god! Like I mean, Mastro's was, was pretty good. Like obviously, like I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of expected a little bit more, but you know what? The two of them, I think, uh, I think done really well. So, you know, the, the match we got, pretty good. And, but the ending was phenomenal. And so that's, uh, that is the end of that. Yeah. And uh, Max, uh, take us home on this one. What do you think of yeah, I, I, I kind of take a, a lot of uh, uh, Grizz and uh, Chris's points on board. And, and yeah, uh, the ordinarily an aquit match kind of does saddle you with a with a, a slow a slow finish but i think for this match in particular it worked 
because of the history of the two guys. They worked uh, uh, in hardcore matches in ICW and in CZW. So it kind of, uh, it was it was their whole careers all coming to a, to a end. They've, they've had, the, the, uh, Moxley's had the hearts of the WWE run. Then they obviously the laws when he left. And then the hearts of AEW where, where he, he felt like he's left the guys uh, that he knew in RCW and CZW behind. So the emotion was there. The fact that we uh, he never quit in the first match was was there. Um, it it kind of meant that it needed to be an our quit match. Uh, and I think they worked it just well enough that um, that. It, it, it came off as a good end to the pay-per-view for me. Uh, the fact that we got that emotion. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed a lot of uh, Eddie Kingston's work, but I've never felt this emotionally attached to a character yeah. uh, in such a long, long time. His promo work is amazing. I mean, they even, influ- uh, they even use it they use it on B, uh, being delete where they just give him a random item and he's got to he's got to do a promo on it. He's just so good at it, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match. The the thumbtacks, the barbed wire, the way that Moxley had to go to depths that he didn't want to go to 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 finish his friend. The way he wanted to draw a line under the end of it at the end of the match and and, and say, look, we're done. Um, let let's call let's call it an end. And the way Eddie just couldn't accept it because he'd broken his promise to his mum. Yeah, I, I, I loved the whole build-up to it. Whilst the match was never going to live up to that build, I think they did a really solid job. Yeah, I think Eddie Kingston has been an absolute revelation this year, to be honest with you. And uh, Well, I say this year, in the last couple of months, he's really just come on the scene with AEW and getting his contracts and uh, everything. But uh, yeah, the main event was uh, was very, very good. But that's how I think it suffered slightly by being an I quit match, but they, they did the best that they possibly could uh, with the stipulation. And like I say, that ended, and I've got to echo what Grizz said, it was a phenomenal ending. But um, there, there we go. And then, of course, to cap off the show, uh, Kenny Omega, the new number one contender, came out um, yeah. and uh, had, a, had a brief stare down, a brief uh, face off across the ring ropes to uh, the, the, the current champion, the reigning champion, John Moxley, of course. And that looks to be the main event, possibly for the next pay-per-view, which is AEW Revolution, um, I think, uh, February, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I want to go to you uh, one by one. Uh, say that again. 27th, I believe. Mm. 27th of February, yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, starting with you, Chris, give us your overall thoughts and uh, uh, the, the one kind of takeaway moment or highlight for you. Yeah, really the strongest card of the year. And yeah, maybe the tied, maybe that second best card that AEW have done. We've all said that top to bottom, with the exception of maybe Sheeda and Rose, every match was good to great. Um, there was emotion throughout the card. There was moments of hilarity, you know, and so it was a really strong variety act. And it, it crucially carried on, you know, some long term storylines, I think. So it really did everything right. And I was really worried because it had so much hype given into it that it wasn't going to live up to it. But I think it did. You know, I was really pleased with it. And yeah, so God bless those guys, man, because that's, you know, that's hard to do sometimes, live up to that kind of hype. Um, it's It's got a lot. Uh, it's it's coming a lot AEW with its pay-per-view like not only in terms of production uh, but how they balance the card as well so I think this was one of the best examples of how they can get it so right sometimes Um, and everything came together on the night so yeah for me really pleased with it Um, definitely worth the money uh, I would say and um, something I would actually rewatch which I don't often say you know that I would like to kind of rewatch this soon Um, 
because it had almost everything in it. So yeah, really good. Um, looking forward very much to Omega Moxley. That's the kind of, you know, they've already had a fantastic match. This time it's going to be more wrestling purist style, which I think Omega wants. Um, so I look forward to him, hopefully, I think, dethroning John Moxley. Uh, but yeah, great show. Top to bottom, you know, can't really fault it for the most part. And um, how often can you say that, that nearly every match was a winner? Mm, and, and Grizz, your closing thoughts on Full Gear? Well, um, I don't know, controversial. Um, I thought this was, uh, you know, about uh, 7 out of 10 pay-per-view. Like, everything was, wasn't bad. But like, I mean, but there was a lot that could have potentially been better. I mean, as I say, like, maybe if um, Kenny and uh, Hangman maybe got a couple more minutes, just like, just a little, just a little bit more. Um, and then, um, but I mean, this was a decent pay per view. I would, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Chris, but I would, uh, um, in my own opinion, like say that Revolution was much better in terms of, um, in terms of pay per views this year. Granted, obviously, that may be because there was crowds there. So, you know, you got to take that, uh, sort of aspect into things, but. I think uh, Revolution was was pretty fucking awesome, and um, I mean, like, obviously, again, I am not taken away from the fact that this was this this was pretty decent, and uh, I'm not saying it's bad uh, in any sense of the, sense of the word. So it was, uh, yeah, you know, as I say, about a seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. And uh, Max, uh, can you go any higher than seven out of ten? Uh, what's, what's your closing thoughts and uh, any particular highlights from this show? Yeah, I, th- I think I'm probably going to lean towards uh, more to Chris. I felt that this is probably AEW's best show since the original All, all In. It was the most invested I've been in uh, an AEW show all the way through. Um, the highlights is obviously the the dream tag team match for me. I thought that that was uh, it was just something that that I've been waiting for so long for, and it it really didn't disappoint in terms of, of action. Uh, if I were to nitpick, I'd still say there's issues with production. There was um, um, the commentary of the, the, the elite deletion match didn't need to be there. The, uh, they didn't reference hangman when he was, uh, when he was uh, at the back of the, uh, of uh, the FTR and uh, books match, uh, which I felt would have played into the storyline better. But these are all little tiny nitpicks. The 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 biggest problem I had with it was after we got past the uh, the Sheeda and uh, Nala Rose match, there was no come down match for me. It was all kind of all one pace, uh, which when the card is this stacked, it's hard to, to get that kind of come down match. I understand that, but I, I do tend to enjoy a card more when there's uh, when there's ebbs and flows, when there's a, there's a heater and then a cooler and then a heater and then a cooler and you, you get that where this was all heater from the, from pretty much a, an hour and a half in it was, it was all a hundred percent, but that's massive, massively nitpicking. I enjoyed it pretty much everything on the card. That's outstanding. Outside the elite uh, elite uh, deletion match, uh, so yeah, for me, I'd give it a strong A. I feel like it, that's kind of like like the New Japan style of uh, of booking of oh, we'll bump all these matches up to the you know the the the, the last three matches like oh here we go boom 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 big match big match big match and um, 
I actually kind of agree with you in the way that like there should have been a buffer, uh, and that's where I feel that um, Orange Cassidy versus uh, John Silver should have been between the two like big matches because um, yeah, like you, you know what? Like I mean, <laughs> I'm assuming we all stayed up till near five in the morning to watch this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, for me, you could have switched the Elite Deletion match and the Orange Cassidy match, and I think you would have had enough of a, a kind of a break there to go into the the last two big, last two or three big matches. But yeah, having like four or five matches in a row where you was you were heavily invested, yeah, it it, it kind of got a little bit tiring. Because mm-hmm. like, um, see, see the last pay per view when they had um, the most of hair match, mm-hmm. um. I feel like yeah, that was that was wedged between two really big matches. So like yeah. the Rosa Mayhem match was less than ten minutes, and I, I thought that was perfect. That was a perfect kind of thing where it's like palate, right. palate cleanser. Yeah, yes. palate cleanser. Yes, thank you. Exactly, that, that was a palate cleanser, and um, it was the kind of thing where it was, like, it was less than ten minutes, and it was uh, between two big guys. So like it was. Yeah, it was still a big match, but at the same time, like, you know, it was less than two minutes. That's the kind of thing you need. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I feel like this pay-per-view was, um, I I would put this down as fine. As I say, it was probably about a seven out of ten. Like, um, I may not be as big, a, big on it as um, uh, most of you, but, like, obviously... I am a big AEW fan, so don't get me wrong. But, like, I don't know. I think Revolution was uh, incredible as a pay-per-view. But, I mean, again, that's just my opinion. Just to counter Chris's point, I think, though, it sounds like we're complaining about the the card being too good and too stacked. You know, our first world problem. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> another way, like, isn't it a great thing that all these matches have had so much good build and so much emotional build up to yeah. it? So I, I understand completely about pacing the event, but yeah, I think it's a good problem to have when all the matches have value. You know, quite frankly, I used to watch WWE pay per views back in the day, and I'd be grateful if maybe three out of the seven or so matches were good. This was not the case here, you know, and I agree, I agree Revolution was the same, you know, top to bomb. So, yeah, I, I completely see your point about pacing, but, yeah, let's not forget, this is not a bad thing to have match after match after match, which has some reason to watch it. Well, there we go. I, I think there's, there's no doubt that uh, last night's pay-per-view was great, but all this talk of uh, Revolution from February is going to have to, it's, it's making me want to go back and watch that show as well. So uh, no. there we go. I've got a busy weekend, but uh, guys, I want to thank you so much for being a part of this AEW Full Gear review. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you, first of all, Mags, just to quickly plug your, your shows, uh, what, what your show is called, and uh, where can we find them? Okay, so I've got way too many podcasts for any one man to do. <laughs> you uh, had three I, last time I spoke to you. Have you got any more? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually have. And I've killed one off and, and gained two. Uh, yeah, I've got a UFC podcast called Five Rounds. Uh, I've got a, a wrestling podcast called Badlands, where I would talk about the Mount Rushmore's of wrestling. Uh, I'm part of a, 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 a team that does a football podcast now called Radio Techers. And I'm also part of a, a team that uh, that gets together every fortnight just to have a, a whinge in a moment 
on about the things in wrestling that are kind of grinding our gears. That's called Talk at the Table. So follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirby. Get links to all that. Uh, and uh, thanks for this opportunity, John. It's been far, far too long. Uh, we should be doing this way more often. Agreed, agreed. And, and Grizz, I know you've got a, a few podcasts on the go at the moment. Where can we find yours? Grizzly Forecasts. Um, <coughs> I do a podcast of uh, pro wrestling called The Turning Heel Podcast. I also do a second pro wrestling podcast called The Turn Buckle Arms once a month. That is a, that is a, a topical wrestling podcast where we we have a you know a couple of drinks and a little chair and then obviously my main man big chocolate tea is there mm-hmm. uh bro uh i also podcast number three have um a a, a true crane part podcast called a happening in so if you're into true crime then, uh, you know, I'm there. I'm getting drunk. I am talking about some people dying a lot. And then, <laughs> and then, Jesus, if you couldn't get enough of the Grizz, if you loved Robot Wars as a child, Robot Wars, I also do a Robot Wars called, podcast called Rise of the Robots, where we talk about Robot Wars, Battlebots, Robotica, and everything else in between. Robots. Fucking robots. There we go. And, uh, and Chris, uh, Big Chucky T, um, you're, you're part of the brood, the Turbuckle Arms. I think you're hosting the next show, aren't you, uh, later on this month? I am very much looking forward to it. I'm looking for, yeah, to, towards the, the end of this month. Uh, we'll let you know on our social media pages when it's going to drop. Uh, you can find the Turnbuckle Alarms podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I will tell you the theme of the show. It's going to be 30 years old. Hold on. One, two. <laughs> of course, the Ayatollah of rock and roller himself. That's always been. Why have I become now that I've betrayed? Everything I've ever loved to push them all away. Right. And, and on that note, uh, we must say goodbye. But uh, thanks, Mags. Thanks, uh, Grizz and Chris. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us on this AEW Full Gear Review. We'll catch up with you all again soon. Bye.